this is Breaking Bread with Brilliant Babes. I'm your host, Tatiana Jimenez. We're recording today out of my tiny studio apartment in what normally would be foggy San Francisco, but this weekend, we're recording this Labor Day weekend, happened to be the hottest in recent memory and possibly history. Um, The lovely person sitting across from me today is Melissa. Hi. Thanks so much for escaping sweaty Long Beach and joining me in even sweatier San Francisco this weekend. It's an absolute <laughs> pleasure. We are detoxifying and purifying. <laughs> yes, all we are. Sweat, and I'm down for that. <laughs> Thanks so much. Um, so welcome to the podcast. This is our pilot episode. So um, I'm going to explain a little bit about what our loose purpose is here, um, as I'm sure the podcast will um, evolve over time. But uh, I'm basically bringing people I admire into my apartment, making them food in exchange for stories about their career journeys and also just to shed a spotlight on the lives of everyday people I admire and respect and who are doing cool things that I think other people might find interesting. Um, so as, as you're aware, one of those people happens to be Melissa Um, So Melissa has a master's degree in urban and regional planning, and she currently works as the campus facilities planner for a university in Southern California. So Melissa, (laughs) um, can you tell us a little bit about, you know, what that means to be a campus facilities planner, what you do, and um, kind of your career journey up until this point? There's many questions, Tatiana, yeah. <laughs> but I will do my best uh, as your pilot guest to do it justice. Um, so yeah, as a campus facilities planner, I am in charge of programming and figuring out any new construction project that we do on campus, anything that has to do with our actual physical spaces. So if a college, you know, university is combined of a bunch of colleges, if they come to us and say, we want a new building and... We want to have these kinds of labs in it, but we don't know how much it's going to cost and we don't know how big it needs to be. That's what I do is figure that out. So um, that's when it comes to our what we call capital planning um, is the actual buildings. And then we also do long range plans, which is sort of mapping out the development of the campus over a time period. So we can do a one year plan, we do five year plans, and then we do a master plan that's usually a 20 to 25 year outlook. So you know, when you see new buildings going up on a campus, that has probably been in planning for at least five or six years that people have wow. been thinking about it and also uh, figuring out how to pay for it. Um, so I work at a state university and the state funds our buildings um, as a general statement uh, for the most part, but they also choose what types of buildings that they're funding at any given time just because as, you know, just mm-hmm. one part of the state's budget, we um, get a small percentage of that. And so right now they're not funding new buildings. So if we wanted to come and say, we want this new science building, it's going to cost a hundred million dollars that it's really not likely that's going to get funded. So if you want to get things done on your campus, you need to identify projects that the state's willing to fund. And right now they're doing a lot of infrastructure projects, which is really extremely important because Mm -hmm. a lot of campuses were built 50, 60 years ago and have the same, you know, sewer lines, water lines, power, um, data Mm -hmm. for 50 years. And if we don't take care of that, they'll fail. I mean, can you imagine, I I work on a campus that has 37,000 students and, 
you know, if you're not able to flush the toilets one day, like that's going to be a huge problem. Mm -hmm. So um, that's something what I do, the long range planning, the capital planning, um, and then some fun stuff. Like we do master plans for the trees that we have on campus. Mm -hmm. We're trying to improve our urban forest. So a lot of the trees were planted at one time and they're kind of aging and failing at the same time. And so the plan that we're working on is if we're trying to incorporate more native species um, and then providing more shade. We're in an urban area and it gets really hot. There's a heat island effect that goes on. So we want to plant more. And um, I'm also working on a bicycle master plan. So it, we're allowed to bike on campus. We're, we're always trying to promote um, sustainability and sustainable transportation. But there are not a lot of designated spaces for people to bike on campus. Like mm -hmm. this is a bike lane. So I'm working on what those routes are going to be and how to identify them, how to mark them. So it's did that because I know that you're a pretty, um, pretty big uh, cyclist, I guess, like not in the like competitive or like professional sense, but like you ride your bike about around Long Beach all the time. Yeah. So did that project come from, you know, from you being a person who likes to ride their bike? Did you kind of? Yeah. You know, what's interesting is I've been working there for about two and a half years and they had been, they had started thinking about bikes and, you know, bike mm -hmm. lanes years ago and they mm -hmm. started some plans but a lot of things really take a champion to get pushed through and yeah. someone to really stick with it mm -hmm. and uh so it was they, they started working on it and then it kind of fell by the wayside other things got top priority but because yeah I, I totally have an interest in cycling and I see how if we get more people to bike on campus because we're, a, you know, quote unquote commuter school, mm -hmm. um, we'll be able to reduce our number of car trips. It'll alleviate traffic. It'll alleviate parking stresses. It's very, very difficult to park on our campus and it's just <coughs> fun to bike. So that project really spoke to me. And I, you know, kind of said to my boss, I want to, I want to jump on this and I want to take this under my wing. And mm -hmm. he didn't really have as much interest in it. So he's like, sure, take it, do it, do what you That's want with awesome. it. So yeah. Um, so yeah, that's what I do. <laughs> that's awesome. So um, you, so we went to, we did undergrad together. We both went to um, UC Irvine, um, and I know that you, I think you got your degree in sociology. I actually double majored. I, okay, uh, majored in sociology and anthropology. Oh, okay. And so I absolutely loved studying about people. So with yeah. those, it's a double whammy. So I learned about. Um, human culture, the anthropology, and then just structures and systems that we all function with, which was the sociology. Mm -hmm. And so after majoring in those, I was like, what can I do that's related? And I was being really literal. And I was mm -hmm. like, I'm going to be a social worker. <laughs> I had this dream. I really thought that I was going to be, I wanted to be a social worker in the prison system. Because I took this one class, the sociology class called um, Deviance. Mm -hmm. And they talked about... Um, criminals and uh, people who are put into jail, but that there's zero rehabilitation. Yeah. And then people come out of um, after serving their term. And instead of being able to kind of have a clean slate, there's all these marks mm -hmm. on the record, you know, you have to put down if you're a felon. And so how do you support yourself and support your family um, when you get out of that situation and mm -hmm. the structure of the prison system in the U.S.? I mean, that could be an entirely different podcast but yeah. we could spend a whole lot of time talking about that but but stuff like that really I was like oh I'd love to be able to help mm -hmm. uh these people and um so I want to be a social worker and I was 20 
22, 23 when we graduated. Mm -hmm. And I think I had um, like three job interviews for a social worker position and I didn't get it. And so being young and being like, oh, I didn't get it my first try. I'm never going to be able to be in this field. Like, it's just really stupid. Mm -hmm. Um, So I took one year off and then I was like, you know, I think I want to get, I think I need more study. Um, And so at a party, actually, our friend Iris, uh, I ran into her at a party and she mentioned that she was studying urban planning at USC and I had never heard of it. And I was like, what's planning? What's urban planning? And she told me about it. And I'll never forget the, the party, which was really fun. <laughs> and I came out of it of like, wow, I'm going to find planning schools. I would love that. Sounds like the perfect application. Yeah. The, the practical application for what I want to do mm-hmm. to help people. And so the connection is... It sounds obvious to me, but I guess if you don't really know about planning, it's not that obvious. So the point is, is that, you know, um, local governments, universities, prisons, schools, you know, all of those things are planned and designed and constructed by people. Mm -hmm. And there's a whole group of people that decides where things are going to be placed, what they're going to look like, um, how they're going to be operated, and those affect the, the users. So it's... You know, just really obvious examples. There are school districts, if you want to talk about schools, school districts in um, higher income areas where they're local, they have more local money and so they can have nicer facilities. Mm. And so therefore kids get to go to nicer schools with better labs, with maybe better instructors, more um, athletic offerings uh, or facilities to have a football stadium, to have a, a pool, to have a track, mm-hmm. um, to have the latest and greatest computer technology. Um, whereas areas that have a lower income, they don't have that revenue in, um, uh, with either with local taxes or with the, um, uh, what do you call it? The, um, like the housing tax. What's it? Not the housing the tax. property tax. Property taxes. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> so a lot of that goes into school facilities as well. Mm-hmm. And so then you have someone who goes through school and doesn't have, you know, can you imagine there's so many of our schools who don't, that don't have any grassy areas. Mm-hmm. And if you live in an apartment in the center of, you know, a downtown area, you never get to go to a park and you never get to run on grass at school. Mm-hmm. And so what does that say about, how your community values you and your experience. And then you have people growing up in that. And I don't know. I just, I don't know if that makes any sense, but the the whole point is that, you know, for me, I think that space is in your physical environment is extremely important Mm -hmm. to your success. It should, you shouldn't have to think about it. It should just, and I'm thinking a lot in context of, of, of an educational environment. You know, we have students who are trying so hard to get themselves through school, support themselves. A lot of them are supporting families. They're older students. Mm -hmm. Um, And they just need to be able to show up, have a great place to study, a quiet area that has AC. You know, it sounds really simple, but a lot of our facilities are, 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 you know, outdated. And so... Mm -hmm. Uh, we needed to get them up to par. I'm I'm being a tangent. No, but but I I think, well, I think what I'm getting from that too is like, um, like poor design or lack of um, planning can have an adverse effect on um, maybe development and also um, your community. But it also makes me think of in, you know, with graphic design, we say that a lot of good design is invisible, especially like Mm -hmm. typography and stuff. Like you don't notice design until 
you know, maybe it's over the top or there's something wrong with it. So it's a problem. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Kind of, there's that connection there. Yeah. So anyways, I, you know, made that connection of Mm -hmm. what I could do as a career to make a difference in people's lives. to my next question then, which is, um, was there ever a moment where you felt like you finally broke into the industry that you wanted to be in? Like, and that could be, you know, either a job or a person or just like a situation or a project that you were given. I think when I really, it probably was with this current position that I've been at. I was at, um, I had an internship at a local school district, um, for six years I was there as an intern and I stayed there. It was also right when the financial crisis hit. I graduated grad school in 2009, which was the worst time ever to try to get a job. Mm -hmm. Um, People that I knew that were in the industry that were kind of around my age, maybe a couple years ahead, um, were getting laid off like left and right. And so the internship that I was at, the the company that I worked for wanted to hire me on full time, but they're like, we can't, there's just, we don't have any work. Um, so it was a really hard time, but I ended up staying there. Um, eventually things did get better and I stayed there for six years and then I made the move to the university, uh, which I really like because they're very forward thinking. They do want things to be, you know, innovative and there's a lot of scholarly and research an emphasis on, on scholarship and research in what you do. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I got involved with a couple of professional organizations, and one is called SCUP, which is the Society for College and uh, University Planners. Okay. Which is, I love, I just love the highly specific professional organizations (laughs) that there are. It's just really funny to Uh me. And so I went to SCUP, and I presented um, at a conference at ASU, and that is when I really felt, this was probably about a year and a half ago, that's when I felt like I really made it, because I knew... That what I was the project that I had worked on and what I was presenting was really helpful and was something that all these other practitioners could take with them. I mean, could take back to their universities, like really practical tools. And so it wasn't so much what I had done or my colleagues had done, but the fact that I was able to present it, I loved presenting. Mm-hmm. I mean, I just loved talking to people. I loved being up there. Yeah. Um, and just I felt like for someone who was relatively young, being able to present at this conference with, frankly, a bunch of middle-aged white men mm-hmm. <laughs> and being able to get up there and um, really articulate what I had done and how I think it was beneficial. And I got so much great feedback, great feedback afterwards. And that was that was really confidence-boosting, Yeah, I think. I think, yeah, I, I think that there's something about, like, we you know, we, we, we do our work every day. And to a certain extent, like, even though we, regardless of where we are in our career, I think we're like, maybe like mid-ish career, but like, you know, we're, we're the experts at what we do, but there's something about someone externally telling you that, or acknowledging that you are an expert that somehow just like reinforces that and just gives you so much confidence. Right. Giving you that platform. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. So that's great. Okay. So Um, I guess my other question is along the way, um, did you, did you ever have a mentor in your field? 
<sighs> this is such a hard question for me because I didn't. Okay. And so, and I'm, you know, slightly embittered about that. Uh-huh. Um, I definitely had people, well, let me back up. The, the field that I am in, there are a lot of women in it, but mm-hmm. in my particular path, I had mostly male bosses mm-hmm. and where I did have a woman boss, um, she did help in some ways, but I have a feeling, I just, I just kind of felt that it was so hard for her to get to where she was that she was spending a lot of her, all of her own time and energy keeping herself there. And it's like, she didn't have the resources to pass it on or pass it down, which I totally get. It's like when there are few women in whatever industry or space that you're in, we're all just kind of trying to like tread water and like not more than tread water. I mean, you know, we're, 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 we need to be forward, um, propelling ourselves forward. And so it's hard to allocate time and energy for other people, but I think it's extremely important. Yeah. So I would say I didn't have a dedicated mentor. I specifically, I'm still looking for like mm-hmm. my, um, woman mentor. Mm-hmm. I think it's very important for women to mentor other women. Yeah. And so in, so like I said, I had people who definitely gave me chances and gave me opportunities, which was awesome, but not a dedicated mentor. And so for myself, I really try to find women in the space that are younger than me or maybe not younger than me, but just um, less experienced um, and try to do what I can to mentor them. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just about creating that network and that sisterhood outside yeah. you know, of, mm-hmm. of your personal life. That I think is really important. Yeah. But I think sometimes, like, you might not... Because in my career, I've definitely had people who were, uh, like, mentors who maybe weren't mentors. Like, they didn't realize that they were my mentor. But, like, I really um, learned a lot from them. Or, like, you know, even if maybe I didn't necessarily like them, there were things that I learned from the way they, like, acted, uh, like, dated... Or, like, the choices they made or, like how they presented themselves in meetings. Like, um, there are definitely figures in my career that I learned from who I maybe wouldn't call my mentors. Um, but yeah, a lot of those people were men for me because, um, I, yeah, I haven't had too many female bosses, but, um, I've been really lucky in that, like in my last job that I was at for a while, um, my former boss who, you know, (laughs) was definitely like a mentor figure, Um, and it's, yeah, it's been really, really helpful and really insightful and just, yeah, having someone who's done something similar for a little bit longer than you to give you like some, I don't know, advice, career advice, life advice is like really, yeah. And there's always those people in the space. There's always people that I do watch and, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm a big observer in meetings. Mm -hmm. I love seeing how people navigate really tricky political topics. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of politics, um, at my job and it's, it's really good to study. I think that's Mm -hmm. a really good piece of advice to give to people is like, just get into these meetings and just don't say anything. Not like you can't say anything, but listen, (laughs) listen a lot more Mm -hmm. than you speak. You know, Mm -hmm. you contribute what you need to contribute, but really make a study about people who've been in their position for a really long time. Because sometimes the way people maneuver is masterful to me. And I'm like, I'm going to need to know that I'm going to be in this situation. Cause of course I do see myself as a higher level manager managing, um, the department, not necessarily this department, but I mean, you know, managing a department at some 
at some point in my career. And it's very helpful to watch the sticky situation people get in and the way they get themselves out of it. Yeah. And Um, even like, um, thinking about like what kind of leader you want to be. Like I've definitely maybe known people in the past who like never ask you what you did this weekend. And then you have people on the opposite end of the spectrum who want to know every detail of your life. So it's like, how do you want to like lead your team? How accessible do you want to be to people? Well, see, I think for me, when I think about leadership, I don't think about, it's not necessarily knowing about your ins and outs in your personal life. Sure. Yeah, we know definitely. But there's like that interpersonal yeah. part. Like you want to know that you can like go to that person and just like maybe share some parts of your life and that they care about you on I think that I would level. want people to be able to come to me to ask for mentorship and mm-hmm. to ask for help and feedback. And mm-hmm. you know, I definitely would want to have that kind of a relationship. I read, I mean it's so cheesy, but like my saved Instagram photos, you know, uh-huh. and I go back and look at them. They're all like gorgeous bathroom interiors. <laughs> and then like pictures of our friends, kids, and then these random like quotes. Uh-huh. And so there was one about leadership and it was saying, so I'm paraphrasing, but you know, mm-hmm. leadership is not about, it's not about you. Leadership mm-hmm. is about improving, like making everybody around you rise. Mm-hmm. And doing their best and yep. contributing their best. Like, that's yeah. what leaders... Leadership is not about the leader. It yeah. shouldn't be about the leader. Mm-hmm. The leadership is about making sure that everyone else has the tools and the space and the ability to do their job and do that. the best. Yeah. So that's, that's great. That's how I would like to be led. Yeah. So that's how I would like to lead. Mm-hmm. So I guess um, my, my next question is, in your career up to now, um, I guess what... What has been your biggest obstacle slash shittiest moment? Yeah. Well, I mean, there's definitely a lot of shitty moments. Um, Work is hard. And I don't mean the actual work. I will say that in my career, the actual work, I mean, having gone through a really rigorous undergrad and graduate program, there isn't any work that you could throw at me that is going to be I mean, it'll be challenging. I'm not saying everything I do is easy. There's definitely a challenge, but I have the work down. Mm -hmm. It is the structure of work. It is the interpersonal relationships of work. It is the um, time. You know, it's like, I mean, I work in a a very structured eight to five job. Um, I work in the public sector. I work for the state. I'm a state employee. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, there's a lot of rules. Lunchtime is at this time. You know, Mm -hmm. I can't work from home. I don't, you know, have a lot of flexibility. It's a very old school setup. And I think that that's hard on the body. It's, you know, because you're forced to work at a time when maybe that's not your best time to work. Mm -hmm. Um, that kind of stuff is hard. You know, when I, I will never forget when I, when I transitioned from being a part-time intern to a full-time employee, I was exhausted. Mm -hmm. I had never done anything for like eight hours straight and you have to just sit there and you have to be quiet and you have to like, (laughs) you know, that's just not how I learned how to work. Mm -hmm. You know, I would, or I would much, I mean, I'm super, I'm actually super productive in the mornings, Mm -hmm. but after like two I'm done. Yeah. I'm just like mentally done. So I, I've definitely learned to need to structure my work so that I can do easier things in the afternoon or I try to do meetings in the afternoon mm-hmm. and do like actual work in the morning. Um, 
so yeah, work is hard, like figuring all that stuff out. And no one ever talks about that, that like you're going to be tired, that you have to buy all of these business casual outfits <laughs> and spend all your money on it. And it's like, I just hated my work wardrobe for the longest time. I hated it. It was just so uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, I finally figured that all out. I figured out how to dress professionally and comfortably yeah. and still have style. That took mm-hmm. a while. Um, so there was a lot of like shitty moments in, in that kind of stuff, but I think the worst one was when, and it wasn't a moment, but it was just, it was kind of early on in my career when I realized that I wasn't making enough money to support myself. And I was out of grad school. I had this professional degree. I was on my way, but I was literally not bringing, I mean, I had student loans up the wazoo, like mm-hmm. I had credit card debt. I hadn't bought new shoes. Like I needed new shoes. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I couldn't afford rent anywhere near uh, the place that I worked. And so I actually, right out of grad school, I had two 80-year-old roommates who were my grandparents (laughs) that I lived with. And I totally hit them up. And I was like, Grandma, can I come stay with you just for a little bit? I'm going to live. Can I please stay with you for like three months? Mm -hmm. And I ended up staying there for a year and a half. You know, again, it was like, you know, unique circumstances. It was right in 2009, the financial crisis, yeah, on and on and on. Um, and these things happen. And I think that it's really important. I always try to be super transparent with my journey because it was not linear, super linear. And yeah. it was also not glamorous. And it wasn't what I thought it, I thought it was going to be. Like, I thought I was going to graduate And now I had this golden ticket to this, you know, amazing office on the 14th floor somewhere making a bunch of money. And that was not what happened. So anyways, there was at a point where I was like, I can't be, I can't stay at my grandma's house forever. You know, I was 25, 26. I wanted to have my own life. And Mm -hmm. I realized that even though I was doing an excellent job, I would get glowing reviews, amazing feedback um, from my supervisors and my boss But they weren't showing it in the money. It wasn't, Mm -hmm. you know, it wasn't being represented in my paycheck. And I realized that no one is going to say, oh, Melissa, you do such a great job. You're a nice person. We're just going to pay you a ton more money. Like, no one will ever do that. Mm -hmm. And so you have to be the one to constantly advocate for yourself. Because no one will ever hand. And I'm not saying expect anyone to hand me something. Like, I was doing the work. Mm -hmm. But they're going to get away with paying you what they can. I mean, it's everyone has a bottom line. Mm -hmm. And so you have to be the one to fight for yourself. And I was extremely nervous. I was like, I don't want to get fired, but I have got to talk to my boss. And I basically, I mean, I don't recommend, I mean, I got, I was so, it was a high stress time and I was really nervous. And I basically started crying in the (laughs) office and because I went in there, you know, really poker face, like, I'm yeah. just going to present this. And then, and then the stress just overwhelmed me. And I was Aww. like, I can't afford any. I was making $11 an hour wow. as an intern. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I had been doing that for a year and a half mm-hmm. and I worked, I didn't work full time, but I worked, they did this thing cause this is what they do. So full time is 40 hours and that's, I think it's 39 hours. Mm-hmm. And that's when you, when they have to kick in and pay your, your health insurance and all these extra benefits, but they had me working 37 hours a week. Mm. So I didn't qualify for all that stuff, which is a trick. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. A trick. So you're paying bad. for your own health insurance too. Probably. Yeah. I was paying for okay. my health insurance. Um, I mean, I had amazing and wonderful and brilliant grandparents who really took me in and, you know, uh, 
my grandma <laughs> cooked me cooked me dinner every day, made my bed every day. I was such a sweetheart. I mean, you know, and again, like you can it your journey, when you look back on it, you're like, that was a really I I think that was a really great time that I got to spend with my grandparents, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so things always work out. But going back to my story, yeah. I went to my boss and I said, I need to make more money. I've been here for a year and a half. I think that I've demonstrated improvement and that I am of value to this organization we have going here. And so I was working for, I was actually working for a private company, but I was being contracted out to a client. And so the client did not know because they paid my rate. So when they look at the rate, they're like, oh, you're making a a good amount. Mm -hmm. But I was only getting a fraction of that rate because Mm -hmm. the company I worked for would take, you know, their overhead and all that, which is totally understandable. I mean, that's what they paid my vacation out of and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, But he had no idea how much I was making. And when I told him how much I was actually making, he just, his jaw dropped. And he was like, I didn't know. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, how could you not know? (laughs) But he didn't know. And so that's the thing is you can't assume that people understand your situation and yeah. you can't, you know, to him, why would he pay me more, you know? Mm-hmm. And so anyways, they were able to go back and negotiate my rate and then got um, a raise that was enough for me to be able to move out on my own and then everything kind of moved up from there. So it was really great. But the takeaway of it was is that you really always have to be your own advocate. Yeah, yeah. No matter how scary it is to, it was, to I was shitting thing. myself. Yeah. And then I cried and then I felt bad for crying. It was a mess. <laughs> A hot, hot mess. Yeah. Yeah. But you got what you wanted. I got what I needed. Yeah. You know, and I think it's really important to make that distinction. Okay. I'm not, I'm not out here Mm -hmm. like trying to like ball out (laughs) and go on fancy vacations and do all this Mm -hmm. stuff because I want to be a ball. I mean, come on. If I wanted to be a ball, I would not be working in the public sector for the Uh state. Like, you know, I do it because I really value the work and I think it's important and I enjoy Mm -hmm. it, but I am also able to make a good decent Mm -hmm. more than a decent living out of it Mm -hmm. and that's awesome Mm -hmm. yeah that's great so I guess um uh opposite of that so that was one of your biggest obstacles what has your like has there been um a time in your career where you've um kind of found you've had the biggest opportunity or like what was your best moment so far in your career like you talked about earlier about um presenting at a conference, like, would, would that be one of your best That's moments? one of them, but, you know, I can also think, okay, so the way our, our cycle works is we plan most of the year. All of our construction projects happen mostly over the summer. Mm-hmm. Um, school is already back in session, uh, has been for a couple weeks. So it's, it's a small thing, but I've gotten a lot of feedback about a couple projects that I planned and um, helped coordinate that are now functional and operating and teachers are able to teach. Professors are in there using the new technology. Mm-hmm. Students are now in air-conditioned classrooms with new seats. I mean, there are lecture halls that we still have on campus that have original seats from, like, 1955. Like, mm-hmm. it's crazy. And now they have comfortable seats with, like, power outlets and USB outlets, like, in Whoa. the seats. Like, really smart technology. We have Wi-Fi, like, almost in every corner of the university. We were on 323 acres. Um wow. And, but getting feedback from professors that specifically come and say, thank you, thank you, thank you, because you are making my job so much easier, so much more enjoyable. Mm -hmm. And so it's like just creating a better environment is allowing the professors to do what they came there to do Mm -hmm. without a bunch of hassle of like 
how does this computer work? How do I get the projector to turn on? It's really hot in here. All my students are fidgety. Like once you kind of like neutralize all of those issues, then you're able to get down to business and be able to be more effective um, teachers. Students enjoy it better. Mm -hmm. And so just, I've been getting a lot of that feedback in the past couple weeks about we really enjoy our space. Thank you so much. And so it's just that little bit of feedback and that little bit of, um, acknowledgement, mm-hmm. uh, that that's what keeps me going every day. And plus I get to work on a college campus. I'm around kids constantly, not kids, they're students, yeah. <laughs> young people constantly and being able to see them go throughout their day. And I like, you know, I eavesdrop a little bit and they're like, you know, meeting up, let's meet up for our study group, like in that cool new lounge area that just opened up. And I'm like, I picked out the, the upholstery fabric for that. Like it just makes me so happy uh-huh. that they're that they're using the space that's great yeah so you get to see your ideas in action yes. basically that's that's super cool so this question is kind of um a little bit um like off this path that we've been going down but on this show i'd also like to highlight what i call hidden talents so things that are significant to our lives that we might not add to our resume or necessarily um, or, or necessarily are work related. Um, so I know that you, Melissa, are a certified yoga instructor, which is really awesome. Namaste. And, <laughs> and she's definitely taught us or taught a couple yoga classes on trips we've gone on for free. Thank you. (laughs) They're great. Um, And then lately you've been learning how to sail, which is super impressive and sounds really scary to me. (laughs) Can you talk about what made you decide to dive into these um, hobbies? Yeah. Like what was really interesting again, like, you know, work and stuff, like stuff doesn't exist in a vacuum. Mm -hmm. People are like, oh, where do you see yourself in five years? And they're always talking about career. And I'm like, uh, actually, the things, my goals in the next five years have nothing to do with work. Like, I feel like I have that, not that I'm coasting, but it's like I have that running in the background yeah. and things are going good. And I'm able, I'm really paying off my loans and I'm able to save and I'm able to think about my future mm-hmm. um, in a different way. And once I got, was able to, to be in a comfortable place with work, I was like, you know, I've been going to school since I was in first grade. You know, I went to school from first grade. I went to kindergarten. <laughs> did you skip kindergarten? I did go to kindergarten. <laughs> I went from kindergarten, you know, I was in school through grad school until I was 25. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I want to explore myself now. Like, what else am I interested in? What else mm-hmm. can I try? So, yeah, the yoga teacher training was one of them. And then I love being out. In nature, and I love being out on the water. I live in Long Beach, so I'm by the water. I live three blocks from the beach. I'm by the water all the time, but I'm like, uh, there's two marinas, and I always see the boats. And I just never, in a thousand and one years, thought that I would be a boat person. I mean, it's a really like expensive hobby. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just not something that I grew up around. I grew up, you know, on the edge of the desert, like you, like you, mm-hmm. <laughs> not near the water. Um, but the uh, the city offered a sailing class just through Parks and Rec. Like, you don't have to do anything fancy. Cool. Everyone check out your local Parks and Rec catalogs. There's some awesome classes. I've taken a photography class. 
uh, through there. I've also, um, I want to sign up for a ceramics class. There's just so much stuff you can do and it's really low cost. And it's a really good way to meet people. Hmm. Um, I met a lot of really interesting people of like all ages when I took the sailing class. But anyways, I took it with my sister and I was just like, this is something that I know less than zero about. Mm -hmm. And I think that we really tend to gravitate towards things that we assume or, you know, think we, we, we will likely have an aptitude for. Mm -hmm. And this was something I was like, I, I don't know anything about this. And they started out with knots. So I know how to tie certain knots now (laughs) and I can rig a boat. I mean, it'll take me a while. Um, and then just being out on the water and, having to rely, I mean, it's obviously no motor. So having to rely on your ability to be like hyperhuman again and connect, you know, be the animal that you are in, in, the, in your natural state and connecting with the wind and connecting with the water and noticing because the wind can shift in an instant. Mm-hmm. So you think that you have a plan, you're going from point A to point B and then the wind shifts. And so then now how do you get there? You know, mm-hmm. and there's a way to do it which I'm sure is going to be in the intermediate class. Cause <laughs> we, on my final, my final class, our test, the wind shifted. And I was like, Oh no, I'm lost. Oh, no. <laughs> I don't know what to do. It's like on Zoolander. can't turn left. I'm like the wind shifted. <laughs> I don't know what to do. Now. Um, but I have loved being so humbled. Mm-hmm. I miss learning. And I've been so humbled by walking into a situation where I know nothing and everything is brand new and there's names for every part of the boat and every part of every kind of knot and every kind of maneuver Mm -hmm. and having to learn that and study it and do diagrams. And it has been really fun to kind of get back into that like somewhat academic setting. Mm -hmm. And then also just doing something that is really not with my brain a lot of it has to be instinctual like a lot of like for example the knots I can't believe I'm talking so much about knots but a lot of the (laughs) knots are if you look at a diagram you're like how the hell am I supposed to do that but the more you do it the more you do it you really get muscle memory and your hands Mm. just do it and it's kind of cool kind of like crocheting (laughs) yeah my sister crocheted she said it's very she was really good at the knots because she was like I do a lot of knots and crochet so Uh she she definitely (laughs) aced that part of the test um but yeah, like learning the knots and then also, I forgot what I was talking about. Um, just like <laughs> learning new things, like learning oh, yeah, new yeah. things and being humbled. Being by, humbled yeah. by, by knowing nothing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that has activated like a totally different part of my mm-hmm. brain. And it, it's such a confidence booster. I'm like, what else should I do? Yeah. Like what else can I do next? I mean, I definitely want to continue with the sailing. I would love, mm-hmm. love. Um, to get pretty advanced with it. And I think you heard it here first, folks. I think one of my goals is ultimately I want to be able to sail to Catalina. Oh my God. Which is like 22 or 23 miles. Okay. Um, how long would that take to get there? I have no idea. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I have no clue, but I know people do it all the time and I could totally do it. I mean, it's so fun to think about. I'm just, I don't know. I'm very pleased just with the way that my life has turned out yeah. so far. It's just not at all the direction or the path that I thought it was going to take, mm-hmm. but it has just been winding and valleys and hills and hurricanes and smooth sailing. And mm-hmm. it's just such a, it's just a fun journey. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I just hope that I can always be learning and trying new mm-hmm. crazy stuff. Yeah. 
that's great. And that's great for your brain too. Yes. To constantly learn new things. Um, so I guess that leads me to one of our final questions. I have two more questions for you, but, um, do you, do you have going back to the career stuff? And I mean, just maybe life in general, do you have any advice for people who are interested in a career that's similar to yours, like in urban planning or facilities management, project management. I highly doubt anyone is going to say that I want a career in facilities management. (laughs) (laughs) It's definitely something that you kind of fall into. Uh Um, It doesn't sound super sexy, but the way you explain it, it sounds super cool. It's very sexy. (laughs) It's very understated sexy. Yeah. Yeah, It's like a body, like a long sleeved body con dress (laughs) versus, you know, like... A halter top. No, but planning itself. So there's city planning. um, You can plan resorts. um, You can plan um, schools. You can do transportation planning. Yeah. Or even Um, yesterday we were walking around the city with a friend of ours who, who is a horticulturalist. And so it was really fascinating for me to hear you both talk about how like architecture and um, like plants and trees like meet and how you can create these like really amazing environmental spaces. And that is called landscape architecture. Yeah, that was So I would totally, if I could do it all over again, I would Uh definitely do landscape architecture because it combines exactly like Mm -hmm. there's a built aspect to it, but then also Mm -hmm. the natural aspect to it. Um, But yeah, if you're interested in planning, um, definitely check out uh, planning programs. There are quite a few in undergrad so if you, if you wanted to just check it out, um, but you know, it's kind of the same. I, I really, it's kind of the same career trajectory, like a traditional one. I would say mm-hmm. to try to find internships. It's really important, not so much for the networking, but really to see if you like it. I mean, yeah. there, I would say 75% of my job is really, really cool. And 25% of it is, you know, admin and spreadsheets and budgets and mm-hmm. ordering and, you know, boring stuff. Um, you know, no job is super glamorous. Mm-hmm. Um, right. But yeah, just trying to get an internship for different types. Like I, before I settled on, uh, educational planning or now I'm in, I'm in higher ed. I, um, worked for an economic development department, um, for the city of Huntington beach. Mm-hmm. And so they were, it was kind of related to planning, but they were into how do we grow local businesses um, and small businesses and how do we attract more money to the city. Cool. So that was interesting to do. And mm-hmm. I realized that that's not what I wanted to do. <laughs> you mm-hmm. know, it was really interesting, but it was yeah. good to be able to like low key, try that out, um, mm-hmm. low risk. And I did that when I was in school. Um, yeah, internships really good. And then getting involved with the professional organizations, they all have okay. a student level Mm-hmm. membership that's usually very very low cost or free and then you're able to go to conferences there's a lot of like the APA is the American Planning Association which mm-hmm. I really love they have a every large city has like a local chapter so mm-hmm. I'm a member of the LA chapter and they do a lot of um young planner events I'm still qualifying for young planner oh nice <laughs> I'm almost out of that demographic <laughs> for sure um but there's a lot of like-minded students and young people and they'll do fun like we're going to do a, a, you know, bike tour around LA using the new, um, expo line that just opened, you know, so they use light rail and then Mm -hmm. get off and get the bike share bikes that are in the city. Um, which is really fun. It just gets you out into the environment. 
Um, and meeting other people and meeting like-minded people. Mm -hmm. You got to find your people. I mean, this is like in every aspect of your life, but Mm -hmm. finding like-minded people with the same interests is really motivating. And you never know what people will mention or like, I saw this movie or I went to this place and it just gets you, it kind of sparks something and you're like, Oh, I want to, maybe I might want to do that. Yeah. That's great. So, um, I guess we'll close, uh, on a question that, you know, it could, you could either talk about work or not work, but what's one thing you're looking forward to this week? Um, I'm looking forward to two things. Can I have two things? Sure. It's a pilot Um, episode. Yeah. Yeah. So this goes along with trying new things, but I Um, recently joined a spin gym. I don't even know if it's called a spin gym. I just like calling it a spin gym. Okay. Uh, a gym. That is spin classes with my sister. And this is, again, another something that I never thought I would do. I mean, spin's crazy. It's really hard. But we started going about two weeks ago, and it is so fun. And there's a really great community at this one that we go to in particular, mm-hmm. um, Cycle House LB. That's uh, free for you guys, free free advertising. <laughs> um, but it's really good. And I'm looking forward to, like, going to the classes again. I've had so much more energy Mm -hmm. um, and it's really close to my house and it's just like something fun I can do with my sister. Mm -hmm. Um, And then another like family related thing is this weekend in Long Beach is a, um, a classic car show. And my dad works on, um, he loves to restore classic cars. And so he's going to bring his 1970s Chevrolet truck down. um, And we're all, and it's like right by my house. So we're going to go park it and hang out all day and, Uh and see all the other classic cars. So I'm like, I don't get to see my family that much. So. This is something we can do. Is Art Lebeau, is Art Lebeau DJ? No, <laughs> but we could. I'm sure we could put it on like just in my dad's yeah. truck, like our own little station. That's awesome. <laughs> cool. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining me on our pilot episode inaugural. Thank you yeah. so much for the breakfast burrito. It was fab and a yeah. latte. You are my breakfast burrito <laughs> spirit guide. Thank you. Recipe will be on the website. Yes. <laughs> Teach, get, what is the saying? Give a woman a burrito and you'll feed her for a day, but teach a woman to make large batches of burritos and you'll feed her for a week. Tatiana, you taught me how to make large batch burritos Mm -hmm. and to portion them and freeze them all week, which is like a game changer. I have, I have given that recipe or just the technique to so Mm -hmm. many people. You've changed so many people's morning commute lives instead of just just having a... What is that? You know what I always think of that um, Carnation Instant Breakfast? Did your mom ever give you that? No. It's terrible. It's oh, like no. chocolate milk. It's supposed to have like oh. protein in it. Mm-mm. We used to have that um, as like breakfast. It's like basically having chocolate milk for breakfast and you're hungry like an hour oh, later. No. I know. But not so with the breakfast burritos. Yeah. So, so thank you. You're welcome. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for being here and uh, hopefully the rest of the day is cooler than it has been. Mm-hmm. We'll see what happens. All right. Thank you. Okay. Thanks. Bye. Bye. More about Melissa, urban planning, and more, visit our website, brilliantbabespodcast.com. There you can also listen to previous episodes, check out our event calendar, and get the recipes for the dishes we make for each episode. And be sure to stay tuned for episodes posted every other Tuesday. Thanks for listening.